Shabam! Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Squad Up, a podcast all about games, games of all kinds. I am your host, Eduardo, and joining me on the squad today is my co-host. He is my partner in crime, and he will be my partner in crime in November when we go to BlizzCon. It's Peaches! I'm a criminal. A smooth criminal. Wow, man, you're trying to like make me laugh at the start of every episode now. I have to mute the microphone so I don't just horse laugh into it and kill everyone's ears. That is the idea. And joining us, returning, making his triumphant return, returning for our uh, predestined God of War episode, it's Lewis. Lewis, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm actually super excited for this episode because, spoiler alert, I love God of War. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if we'll have like soon that many bad things to say about it, but I can uh, probably already guess that we've got lots of very good things to say about it. But let's start at the beginning the way we always do. Let's talk about what we've been playing this week, Lewis. Since you're the guest, let us know what, what have you been what have you been playing this week. Uh this week, uh, it's literally just been Hearthstone. Um, oh no, I did start Bloodborne. So Hearthstone, uh, I I got really into it. Like, what was it like last week? I ended up spending like a hundred and fifty dollars on packs just because I wanted to keep making more decks, and I've just been playing that. And uh, we and also Bloodborne just uh, came out for the PSN for free, so I started playing that. Yeah, um, the Witchwood expansion, I have also been playing a little bit of, um, and Hearthstone's just in a really good place right now. Ben, did you see Ben Brode left the team? Who? Ben Brode, the game director for Hearthstone. Oh, sorry, I don't I don't actually keep up with that. Yeah, Eduardo, I saw that. Sorry. How sad. Take it back. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, he left the team. Uh, oh. Peaches, what have you, uh, what have you been playing this week? Uh, Peaches played a great game called Spend Time with Princess Peaches because she was in town, sure, uh, sure. which is not sarcasm. I spent a lot of time with her, so I didn't get a lot of gameplay in. I did play a little bit of God of War. Uh, I tried really hard to finish it on time, and I failed. But I will talk more about why I failed later. Classic but Yeah, that's pretty much it. God of War. Yeah, me too. I played a little God of War. I, I tried to do some of the endgame content to get through it. Um, I played a little more Stardew Valley. I played a little Heroes of the Storm. Um, what did I play? Else did I play? I played a little bit of Dishonored. There was something else I played a decent amount of, but I can't remember now. I guess we did play Heroes of the Storm last night. I forgot about that. Yeah, we did play Heroes of the Storm last night. I played something else, and I can't remember what it was, and I guess it wasn't that good if I can't remember it. I played it on stream, too. Oh, I played Destiny! That's why I can't remember it, and that's why it wasn't that good. I played, <laughs> I played Destiny, too. I tried, I was like, you know what, let me give it another shot. Cody was on last episode, he was talking about, like, trying to jump back in, and I was like, let me jump back in, let me see. First of all, that the PC community for that game is dead. I mean, the game was developed ground up as a console game, so it doesn't surprise me that the community is kind of gone, because it's, I think PC games tend to stretch what a, what 
what a community is a lot more than a console community. And if anybody takes offense with that, let me know. Hit me up in my Twitter and, you know, fight me on that. But I do think that PC communities tend to be a lot more fleshed out and large. A la, you know, World of Warcraft communities. You got, like, AIE and stuff like that. These very large World of Warcraft communities, I don't think you find the same type of thing um, for console communities. I mean, I mean, there are going to be exceptions, but sure. Um, and another thing is just the gameplay. It's just, it's not varied enough. It's just the same repetitive motion. And I was talking to Peaches about it, and it's, it's really sad because... At the base of what it is, I mean, it's made by Bungie. The shooting in that game is so satisfying. Like, the gun mechanics, the gunplay, the actual minute-to-minute gameplay um, is really, really satisfying. But everything else in the package doesn't quite fit together, so it, it feels almost incomplete. I don't know. Nothing that we ever did in that game just felt satisfying. I mean, other than the actual combat, like you said. But, like, even completing quests was like, okay, uh, well... My light is a little higher than it was, but I'm still having zero trouble killing anything. And so let's go do another one. Yeah, they kind of over-streamlined it, I feel like. Did what? They sort of over-streamlined it. Ah, yeah. I mean, it it did feel too easy. And and Cody was saying that last week, and we were saying that last week, and have been saying it every week since it came out. It makes me even more sad thinking about last week when you were shouting out the Humble Bundle how it was on sale for 12 bucks and you still are seeing almost nobody in the PC community. Like they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel to try to get people back in there. I, I mean, I hope are. they succeed because we spent money on it, but yeah, me too. <laughs> so me far, too. not great. Um, Lewis, did you delve into destiny at all? Uh, not at all. Uh, I never really liked that type of game that like mmo light type thing except for monster hunter which i put in way too many hours into Ooh, speaking of which in two weeks dauntless is an open beta so maybe we'll maybe we'll give that a give that a, a whack pun oh, i wouldn't call monster hunter a light game at all man that game always looks like it involves a ton of work oh no well i mean like mmo light where it's not like you're literally in a world full of you know hundreds thousands of players it's more like you're in instance with like three or four players but there's you know all those people playing Uh, i got you all right well let's continue on let's see what's been going on in the world of gaming (laughs) waluigi time waluigi time is correct Guys, so Walmart is a business, for those of you that do not know. A little little startup called Walmart. And some guy in Walmart in Canada um, accidentally uh, put up a large list of games that have yet to be released. And there are some really interesting titles in this list that definitely should not have gone out. The speculation is that a lot of these are... The games that are going to be revealed at E3 this year, um, and we can kind of go through a few. Um, how about we each say one that we are really excited for? Um, uh, Peaches, I'll let you start. Sure, and if you don't want to know these things, because maybe they're going to be at E3, I would flip the tape over to side B, all right? Just skip ahead like five minutes, all right? There's your warning. I'm stretching it out, and the warning is over. Final Fantasy VII Remake. So uh, it's on the list. 
So while it is on the list, it's like, I don't know if you read, but it like just recently changed developers. Like they had to go back and redo the, the entire remake because the developer they like switched hands and they didn't like what they like what they saw. So they basically rebuilt it from the ground up again. So that's, I mean, and it's also Square Enix. So like anytime Square Enix is a game that's going to come out, I take it with a grain of salt because Kingdom Hearts 3 has ruined them for me. Oh, and it's not on that list. Kingdom Hearts 3 is not on this list. And that no, is but the, I don't, I don't mind if they want to, I mean, if the developers switched and they want to take their time, I've already been waiting, you know, years for them to remake Final Fantasy VII. So waiting a little longer, it's not really going to hurt me. Plus I can always go back and play the original game just fine. Lewis, what about uh, you? I what will, are you excited for? I will say a, a little bit of clarification. The, the developer, it was, Square was always making it. They were just, collabing with CyberConnect 2 um and i guess what they they didn't like what they were putting out so they just decided to do it in house and so they had to scrap all of what CyberConnect 2 did from what i understand that sounds even and i i personally like peter said i can always go back and play the original i know the graphics are horrible by today's standards, but I have, you know, my nostalgia goggles on every time I play it. I've, I've played the game. At, I've played the game to completion at least five, six times. I, I'm always going to love that game. So we're like, we'll, when the remake comes out, I'll be happy and I'm going to purchase it. But until then, I'm perfectly satisfied waiting. Yeah, and I don't, as much as I'm excited for that remake, I don't think it's going to be better than the original just because the original is so dear to me. But I think it'll be fun to have a giant nostalgia bomb. And, you know, I didn't think that um, game, there was another game like this that I found ultra enjoyable. Um, We've talked several times on this show about how I love A Link to the Past. And when... The Legend of Zelda A Link Between Worlds came out, I kind of had the same like hesitation. Uh, but that game was so good that the second I finished beating it, I, I started a new game on the harder difficulty and I played it for another like three hours that same night. Like that's how much fun I had. So maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe it'll be just as good. Um, maybe it'll call back all the right things. Who knows? I'm excited about it though. Uh, next person, next game on the list. Lewis, was that your game as well? Should, should Final I, Fantasy? Oh, should I go? Oh, no, no. Well, uh, I actually um, am more excited because I know it's going to come out in a reasonable time. Is uh, My game is Metroid Prime 4, I assume. It just says Metroid Prime, but I'm assuming this is 4. Yeah, I would assume it's for as well. I mean, I don't know. So um, Nintendo has come out, and it's also on this list, but Super Smash Brothers, they've come out and said that at E3, the only game they're going to talk about is Super Smash Bros. And they've done this the past couple years, um, They where they've selected one game, and that is the game that they talk about at E3. Last year, it was Super Mario Odyssey. The year before that, it was Breath of the Wild. Um, and that seems to be their trend. So I don't even know if we're going to get Metroid Prime this year. We just know that it's being made. Well, the thing with Nintendo is they te- they tend to not do their major reveals at E3. They tend to do it in their own Nintendo Directs. Uh, but since I will say since they only 
put up the, you know, like the four and it's like, hey, it's in development. I don't think Metroid Prime 4 is coming out this year because usually they do a little bit more substantial news than that. So I don't know. But at the same time, last year they had a lot of major games and so far they haven't released anything truly substantial. So I think they need to pick it up again, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Nintendo is riding the high of the Switch. The Switch is the fastest selling console of all time, and they need to continue capitalizing on it so they don't lose any momentum. Obviously, we know that the PS4 is a juggernaut, and the Xbox One, well, like tra- uh, trailing behind the PS4, it still isn't a slouch for its numbers. It has still sold um, more units than the Switch, even though it has had a longer life, absolutely. But it's still sold more units, so um, I think... Nintendo needs to continue coming out with these, you know, dunks and, and you know, high-flying jump shots so they can continue um, kind of that upward trend. Yeah, 100%. I do, I did hear, uh, I don't know if it's been confirmed yet that they're doing a Donkey Kong and uh, Yoshi game this year, but I, so, like I said, uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze just came out. It was a Wii U remake. Um, I think it oh, came out it? Okay. last week. And then there is a Yoshi game where we've seen footage of it. Um, it's like a Yoshi game with, like, yarn. It's really weird looking. Um, and that game, we've seen footage, but we don't know, like, anything about it. So Yoshi is in development, but the Donkey Kong but, game was Donkey Kong Tropical no, I, Freeze. I thought uh, Yo- that Yoshi game, it, Yoshi's, like, epic yarn, like, Kirby's epic yarn. I thought that already came out. Yoshi one did not. Kirby did, but Yoshi's oh. is not. That's the one that's still in development hmm. for the Switch. Oh, okay, cool. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to throw a real curveball here, fellas. I am actually pretty excited for LEGO DC Villains. So, oh. I, I know, I know. It sounds, Shut up. No, dude, I am. <laughs> so, I, uh, I remember loving the LEGO Batman games. I, I like, love those games. And... In a world that we live in, a climate that we live in where it is okay to love Marvel, but if you even think about liking DC, you're going to get like your butt kicked by a bunch of other nerds. I am not afraid to say that I love DC. I love all of their properties. And a DC villains game, even if it is Lego, sounds awesome to me. I don't think nerds are going to beat you up, Eduardo. If you're afraid of that, we're going to... We're going to put that to rest. I just think that if you're the kind of person that thinks that the DC cinematic universe is better than the Marvel cinematic universe, maybe you will get beat up, but not necessarily by nerds, maybe by like everyone. Yeah, yeah, sure. I just think it's a little more, a little less. I mean, we're not a, we're not a pop culture podcast, even though we could be, Um, we're not a pop culture podcast. We won't go too deep into that, but I do think it is more widely acceptable to like Marvel right now, as far as mainstream is concerned, because of the pictures, the movies have painted, right? So like, personally, I think um, Marvel Cinematic Universe is the only like, sort of like good thing that Marvel is doing and basically every other facet you talk in comics cartoons um, TV shows and um, like animated movies I think DC wins in every other category so do you want this Lego DC villains game to come out because you like DC or because you like the Lego franchise a little bit of both I like Lego because my wife it's one of the few games that she likes to play 
Um, and so anytime there's a Lego game that comes out, I try to get it. I know last time, last time we played was a Lego Jurassic World game. We played that together. Um, and so I'm excited for another Lego game for us to kind of sit down and play together, especially if it's on the Switch, because I just want everything on my Switch. That's fair. So if I can play a Lego game and also have DC villains, like it seems like a, like a win-win. Shout out to The Last of Us 2, which is also on this Walmart list. Thank you, Walmart. You know, we love you. If there was any game... Wanna... Go ahead, Lewis. Uh, I also want to shout out Dragon Quest 2 because I've been really getting into that series and I would love to see a remake of Dragon Quest 2. Yeah, I've never played one of the Dragon Quest games, but I've heard they have a huge following, specifically in like Japan and out in that area. Um, like the Asian market is all up into... Um, Dragon Quest. As far as I'm concerned, Borderlands 3 strikes out to me. Seems like a like a fun time. Gears of War 5. I can't believe they're still making Gears of War. Rage 2 is a really interesting one because from what I understood, I never finished Rage, but people really, really didn't like the ending of Rage, uh, the original. Um, so it's interesting that it's getting a sequel. Uh, Splinter I don't even remember what that is. It was some... Uh, dude, honestly, I don't remember. It was this FPS that came out for the 360 PS3 era. I don't remember ever, like, getting through past the first level because I was like, this isn't for me, but it had, like, a really huge following, and then people played to the end, and they were like, this game is, is really good, except till you get to the end, and the game is awful. So, I don't know. Huh. Well, we'll have the full list in our show notes, so if any of you guys want to check out the full list, we're not going to go through every single one of them, but there's a lot of good stuff on here. Thanks, Walmart. Yeah, moving on. So GameStop had a CEO. Um, their their CEO uh, passed away. Um, I'm sorry, not passed away, but they left the position in 2017 for health reasons. It was uh, Paul Rains, uh, J. Paul Rains, I should say. Um, and then uh, a man by the name of Michael K. Mahler, who was a company veteran for 19 years, took over. Um, and he has now left the position after three months. So uh, the article that we have is from Polygon. Um, says he left for personal reasons, effective immediately. Uh, we can speculate. We don't want to speculate on what his life is like, but we can definitely speculate on the pressures that he had as a GameStop um employee as a CEO of GameStop and what it's like being on that sinking ship. Man, I I don't want to get super like political or pop culture or topical, whatever, but the very first thing I thought, which is really sad, but it's 2018 and this is a thing now that people are doing and it's really horrible, but my the very first thing I thought was that he did something like some sort of misconduct with an employee or something. And he was trying to get away from it, you know? And I don't know anything about this guy, but just because of the way that the culture is now and how often this seems to be coming up, like that was my first thought. And that's sad to me. You know, my mind didn't even go there, but it's definitely going there now. <laughs> Isn't that awful though? That's yeah, really that is awful. absolutely awful. But I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, I would have thought that if, if it wasn't GameStop, I would have thought the same thing. But to me, it just seems like a person who wasn't ready to tackle that, that burning tire fire that is GameStop, right? So <laughs> we, you know, you find articles everywhere about people talking about how much they hate working at GameStop. You talk about their, their sales policies. You talk about um, how it's sort of like a, a, a store in decline. Like they came out with their ThinkGeek. Like, so ThinkGeek is part of GameStop and they sort of started doing that on their own, like selling memorabilia and stuff. And I think the ThinkGeek side is where they're, they're going to end up going to. And I don't think GameStop is going to be, I mean, 10 years from now, I don't think we'll see any GameStops. 
listen, if they had a store that was those two combined, they would do just fine because I, I know some GameStops do offer some of the products that ThinkGeeks like sell, but it's not usually vice versa. Um, but I don't know. It just seems, it seems like buying used games isn't as cool as it used to be, especially when there's so many deals on games. Now games are more socially acceptable. So they're just more in the mainstream. And a lot of people are just buying games as downloadable content instead of down or like purchasing discs. You know what I mean? Like I have so many games that I don't have a physical copy of them. I just have them on steam floating around in the universe. I can install them on whatever machine I have my steam account on. So I don't know that part of the market seems like it probably isn't doing as well as it used to, but I have, I have a bad GameStop story that I'll share momentarily, but I don't know. I, I don't really care for them as a company anyway. Yeah. It seems like, uh, it, GameStop is mostly catering to people that want physical copies of everything. Like I'm, I'm one of those people, but I feel like I'm starting to be the minority if I'm not already where I just want physical copies of everything. But with the uprise of DLC or downloadable games and the very apparent uprising of PCs, um, GameStop is really just, it keeps losing money every year. But I I personally still use GameStop a lot because up here the in where I'm at, the... I've become friends with the employees and I have a really good GameStop story to share to counteract your bad one. If you, if you want to do that, but yeah, <laughs> I, I still use GameStop a lot. I, I don't agree with a lot of his policies, but like I said, I, I've become friends with the people up here, but I only go to get that GameStop. I never go to Like if I go to a new place, I'm not going to stop by their GameStop because I know it's just, it's not going to be as good. I mean, there there are always people and specific stores that outshine other ones. I'm I'm not saying that every GameStop and every employee that works at a GameStop is crap. I'm just saying that I I don't feel like the value of GameStop is going to get any better. Especially, I looked up earlier when I read the show notes today. I just did a quick glance at what their stocks have looked like over the last five years. And they are pretty much at the lowest that they've been since 2006. Cause I actually looked at all time after I looked at the five years, but as of like their lowest, their lowest stock value in the last five years was $12 and 62 cents. And that was on March 29th. Um, in 2014 for comparison, they were at like 56 and change. So it's dropped a lot for them and it, only the trend is just downward. It's just a downward slope. I'm sure there's plenty of reasons why. <clears throat> a lot of the things that people end up hearing about GameStop stores are bad. Um, and I think that's part of their problem. Like like my story, the quick version of it was when Super Smash Brothers came out, um, the newest one, my old roommate and I went around the entire Orlando area to GameStop's all over the place, GameStops, Best Buys, all kinds of places that sold video games. And out of like the 15 places that we went to or so, I'd say probably two thirds of them were GameStops. And you know, this was my fault for not pre-ordering it in the first place. 
But the very last GameStop that we went to before we gave up that day, they had a copy of it in the back, like not in the back of the store, like behind the counter, we could see it. And it wasn't on reserve. We asked about it and they said it wasn't on reserve. But when I asked to buy it, when I found out nobody was holding it, they refused to sell it to me because they were holding it for one of the GameStop employees who was on a lunch break and was going to buy it before his shift was over. So that really pissed me off. And I haven't really gone back to GameStop for anything since. That that is a douchey move, I will say. That's uh why would they have it advert like on display then? I, I thought the same thing. Well that the first thing I thought was screw you. Um the second <laughs> thing I thought was was why is it on display? And the third thing I thought was that's not fair for your employee to be able to do that. They could have reserved it just like I could have, and I'm here before them buying the game before them. So even if they wanted to buy it. I'm here first. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm still salty about it to this day. I've long since had the game, but like, I haven't gone back since, as I said. Yeah, that would have definitely pissed me off too. Moose, what's your good story to counteract this negative oh, story? Oh, sure. Uh, so this actually happened recently. I got the, uh, I, I posted the picture. I got the God of War PS4. Um, but when we, when we brought it in to, you know, my house, uh, we set it up, it just kept crashing and we thought it was God of War at first. We updated it. We tried everything. We spent about two weeks, like trying to contact Sony and trying to get a fix and all that. We couldn't, we couldn't do it. So we finally, uh, after about a week, we contacted GameStop and told them about the problems. And because it was a special edition PS4 they they weren't going to be able to you know exchange it for another god of war ps4 but uh this one gamestop play literally spent the whole week emailing different gamestops trying to find a ps a god of war ps4 she finally found one and she spent all this time she let all the other employees know she she about her situation like we i literally just uh got fed up we finally went back in turned in the ps4 when we got there they had the ps4 they they quickly exchanged it it was like a completely hassle free for me and it was all because that one gamestop employee just took i don't know how much time out of her day just trying to get that ps4 because you know it, it couldn't have been easy to find this god of war ps4 they're sold out everywhere you know so you know, I, I don't know if I would call that a good GameStop ex- experience or just a good person, you know? Like, yeah, I think that was I, well, just like a really, really good person. It had to do with GameStop because, like, with uh, with Zach's story, it also kind of, it could have... Who's was, Zach? She, oh, I'm sorry. I, I messed up. Peaches. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's been so many episodes and I messed it up. <laughs> uh, well, Lewis is never coming back. I'm uh, so sorry. Well, that's oh. it for the episode, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Waggity, As you um, but yeah, with with his story, it also was just a, a douchey person too. It could so I don't know. 
I guess you're right. I mean, I have a story about GameStop. So one time I went with my wife, and we were going to buy a Nintendo Switch. And we went in, and I said I would like the Nintendo Switch with the gray Joy-Cons. And she said, okay. And I went to the counter, and I paid for them, and then I left. So you had, like, a really good story, and then Peaches had, like, a really bad story. So I thought I'd make, like, a really neutral story about me going in, getting what I wanted, and then leaving. So there you go, folks. I was really yeah. hoping there was <laughs> something crazy that happened in the middle of that, but... No, no, real neutral. Thanks for disappointing nothing, me. Literally nothing happened. It was about as mundane of an experience as possible. Oh, look, great. I, look, I don't... Here, here's the thing. One, I think society doesn't like going to stores anymore. And we're circling back to the general topic, but I don't think society likes going to stores anymore. I think... Um, the internet is where you're going to buy everything eventually. I think Amazon is starting to take over. I work at the post office, and let me tell you that the number of packages I deliver is insane. And people get their groceries delivered to them. People get dog food delivered to them. People get everything delivered to them, like detergent. Whatever you can think of, people get delivered. And I think video games are going in that same direction, whether it's getting your video, like your physical copy uh, delivered to you or just downloading it. Um and I also think people just have had enough of GameStop. Like, we live in an era where gamers are more self-aware than ever before. They are aware of, um, like, the gaming industry. They're aware of practices. I think consumers in general are aware of practices. And when they find that a company is not putting on, like, consumer-friendly practices, they become very anti whatever that is very quickly you find that with gamers and game developers right now like the second a game developer does something that is not pro gamer the pitchforks and torches are out to the light and ignite whatever game company that is right so i think gamestop is looped in with your eas and your you know ubisofts and what have you yeah well i guess they did that to themselves i mean my bad experience is what kept me from going back there. And I'm sure everybody has their own personal reasons if they don't go there anymore. But there's, to me, there's no reason if I am going to buy like a, a hard copy of a game, unless I'm going to the store that day, there's almost no reason for me not to buy it online. Cause I can just go use Amazon and get it delivered prime to me two days later. Like if I can wait one extra day for it, I can have it one day later than I would have it if I just go pick it up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. Maybe it's laziness. Maybe it's convenience. Maybe it's both. Maybe it's Maybelline. Whoa. Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. I was hoping someone would throw that in there. You know, <laughs> it's time, boys. We know why we're here. We know what we're here to do. Let's just, uh, let's just, let's just enjoy it. That's right, guys, we're talking all about God of War. God of War came out just shy of three weeks ago, um, and we've all had a chance to play it. Two of us have finished it. Um, so we're going to start off talking just general things. We're going to talk about different aspects of the game. We're going to talk about God of War as a series, and then at the very end, we're going to do a full spoiler rundown of the game and what our thoughts are on the story. Uh, Peaches will be leaving before that happens. Yes, please stick around until we give the spoiler alert because we are going to be spoiler free 
And if you accidentally spoil, we're going to stop this recording and we're going to do it again until we get it right. But at the end, we'll warn you and I'll also leave. So you won't have to listen to my dumb voice anymore. All right. So let's start at the beginning. Lewis, we brought you on to talk about God of War. You love God of War. Let's just give us your, your impressions of the game from a very general standpoint. Uh, what are your impressions of God of War? Well, I'm coming from a place where I actually didn't really like the the other God of Wars, one, two, and three. I, I played some of it. The boss fights were cool, but I think it was during a time where I was really story heavy, and I still really am, but I didn't really like the story of God of War. This one gives me exactly what I want as a gamer. It has a really good story. It has good combat. The graphics are great. I it's just it it's kind of the full package for me as a gamer. Peaches, what about you? What are your first impressions of God of War? I'm kind of the opposite as far as the beginning half of Lewis's statement. I really liked the original three games. I'm realizing the more I think about God of War two that I was like, kind of found that one forgettable. Um, but overall, I found the first three really enjoyable. And I found that they were the perfect level of difficulty if you were playing them at either their hard mode or their hardest mode. And the names of the modes change with each of those three games. But um, And this one, the most recent one, has been a lot of fun as well. It's It's kind of got, you know, we've talked about this before, but it's kind of got that Uncharted slash Last of Us feel going with the the static camera view and the actual exploration. Not that the other games didn't have exploration in them, but it just wasn't as fleshed out as it is in this one. So it kind of, it does what I liked about the old God of War games while also bringing in fresh new elements to the series. And um, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm I'm having a lot more fun now that I slowed down. Once I realized I wasn't going to beat the game before this episode aired, I slowed it down and I started having a lot more fun. But I'll talk more about that later. What what about you? Uh, I am in love with this game. Um, from every facet, I, like you, played all three of the original God of War games, at least the ones that matter. I didn't play any of the side ones or anything or Ascension. I didn't find those particularly necessary. But as far as the original God of War games are concerned, I played all of those, and I really enjoyed them. I also um, just really enjoyed this game, man. And it, it, it we'll talk, we'll break it down here in a second, but goodness gracious, it just does so many little things right. And I think that's the, the, the real impressive part is what this game does, the, like the, the best, in my opinion, is all of the small things, all of the little things that you probably don't even realize, like the camera, the camera that is almost as if there's a cameraman walking around with you at all times, panning and moving around. Um, the story is fleshed out, not by these large cinematic moments, which do happen, but by small interactions that happen just between Kratos and his son and eventually, and, um, you know, other characters, um, I think I think what this game does really well is all those small, really personal moments. Oh, I agree with that. This is the first game I've played in a while where like characters are talking to each other, and I know that if I continue on with the objective, their conversation will stop, and I've intentionally 
just stood in one place and let their conversation finish because I want to know what they're talking about. And there aren't a lot of games where I do that. A lot of games, you're just like kind of bored with the story and you're trying to get a move on, you know, you'll just kind of skip that dialogue. But I can't tell you how many times the characters are, Kratos is paddling his little canoe and he's talking to his son or whoever else he happens to be talking to. And I will just sit on a shoreline ready to press the circle button to get out of the canoe at any moment, but they're still talking. So I'm going to wait, like I'm going to let them finish. They like will stop their conversation if you get out and then resume it after you get back in the canoe. I'm still going to listen to it because I won't remember it if I take a break from it. <laughs> I mean, I just think it's actually, cool that they do that I actually as well. really like that mechanic too because they kind of like flow into it too. Like they'll go back in the boat and instead of like picking up literally where they left off, they have like a line of transition. Like, so anyways, back to what I was saying, you know. Right. Oh, that's really cool. It's really impressive. Um, But let's start at the very beginning. So God of War, first game released in 2005. It followed Kratos, who was a Spartan, who um, sold his soul to the God of War so that he could be more powerful. Um, This is going to be a mild spoiler, but honestly, the game came out in 2005, so who cares? Um, Kratos was tricked into killing his own family by the God Ares, which sparks the initial conflict of him trying to kill the God of War. At the end of that game, you become the God of War. Um, you find out in the later series that uh, Kratos is actually the son of Zeus, so he is a, he is a half god, um, but now a full god because he took over Ares. And by the end of the series, you end up killing basically almost every other god. Um, that's All kind of, Greek of mythology, right? You basically kill almost everyone except for I think Athena. Um, now no, she does. Yeah, she does. She. Yeah, you accidentally kill her. I thought. In the second one, but she comes back in the third one, and then at the end, you don't know where she went. Oh, I thought she was a ghost. She was I guess I forgot. No, no, she comes back, which is one of the questions about this one people had was, where is Athena? Um, because she was the one that you didn't know where she went. Um, so the initial series is Greek mythology. This one, though, this, this new story uses Norse mythology. And through some things in the game, they've kind of opened the door to even going into other mythologies as well. I don't think the sequel to this will go any farther than Norse mythology, but they, they could if they wanted to. Um, it is the fastest-selling PS4 game of all time. Um, and it's it's honestly a, a phenomenon. I don't think I've ever seen a game this widely critically accepted by virtually everyone. You know, it's it's interesting to think about because, first of all, what you just said about the transition between mythologies, like they could keep it going, but it's almost seamless. Like I before I started this game, I thought that they had nothing to do with each other. And I, I thought that it was just them taking Kratos and using him as a character in a different mythology. So the way that they do it is pretty awesome. Um, but also the fact that it sells so fast, but also sort of stays true to its original roots. I remember when it first came out, one of like the only things that people were complaining about it was uh, like how violent and bloody it was, which, okay, you're playing a violent game it's going to be like that but it was actually like legitimately bloody like all over the place everywhere and this one does it too but it's not in such a like over the top gruesome way you know what i mean like they they've still done a lot of the things that they did before but 
in a way that's it seems more acceptable somehow right and i think like, that's part of what makes it sell so fast and well i agree the whole blood thing they the only time that they really use blood is is to to show something as being brutal and real and and visceral right so they don't use it very much because you don't fight many uh humanoid I guess, creatures or opponents. You fight a lot of monsters and things. But anytime you do fight a human, it becomes almost like this like bare-knuckle brawl style. Um, sort of. It, it definitely makes it seem a little bit more real and intense. I do like that they went a little bit back with uh, Gorn's hook. I remember playing God of War 3. There was uh, when you fight Hercules and you're just beating his face in. And you just see all the blood and you see his face cave in and stuff. And it's just like, oh, I didn't need to see that, you know. But I I personally like this one more where it's there is there is some gore and stuff, but it's not as ridiculous as it was in the previous games. Well, yeah, I think that's to its strength, right? So it, it, it holds back on the points where it does show you this like gore, this like real brutal visceralness, so that the moments that it does use it, it's more impactful. Yes. Um, I agree with that. I didn't need the very last, um, the very end of God of War 3, where you could just beat Zeus's face in until you were done. Right. Like you literally could just do it forever and then when you finally stopped the game was over. Like that was unnecessary. Right. I think the game definitely ran its course. And I think this is this is a, a, a real smart evolution for the game. I think it is a more mature title. I think it is a more fleshed out title. I think um its its themes have have definitely matured um i think it's less one-dimensional i think its use of women is a, a lot more um i mean i'm not gonna say that the one the first one was um poor to women but there was definitely you know you had that that mechanic where you would go in and you'd have like a threesome and kratos would just happen to be having a threesome and you do the cool threesome mini game where you press buttons and like the the plant would fall off the the thing and you know um but there's none of that here it's it's definitely a more respectful tone and it's definitely more more serious even though the first game was serious it had some of these like comical kind of like elements to it this also has comical elements to it but they're done i think in a more tasteful way yeah i definitely agree uh the i don't think there's on if correct me if i'm wrong but isn't the witch the only woman that shows up I yes. can't, I actually can't remember any other women. No, yeah, she is. She is the only one. And to be fair, that's not I don't want to call that as a knock against the game of not representing women, but the the game has a very small cast. Yeah, yes. Um, and I I think that also is one of its huge strengths because you got the doors, you got the witch, and you got the mysterious stranger and uh why can't I remember his name? The the, the head, the head. Oh, Mamir. Mamir, yes. Uh, he, you got them, and then you got Kratos and his son, and that's for the most part, that's pretty much it. And I, I do like that they did that. It, it makes it feel more like a a real journey that they're on. You know, they meet a couple people, but they're really just after their goal. But by the end of the game, these guys, they they really do feel like friends and or at least uh, acquaintances, you know. 
like you you know more about them you you went on this journey together for the most part and i i do like how they flesh out all the all the characters yeah, I'm with you. I think they use uh, the character development is probably one of its strongest feats, specifically of the main character. So you've got um, Kratos and you have his son, uh, Atreus, and both of them, we can talk about them individually. We can talk about them as a group. I don't care. But both of them evolve throughout this game, and it's really impressive the way they do it. Um, and this father-son dynamic, it's very similar to The Last of Us, but honestly, I would put it a step ahead of The Last of Us as far as that's concerned. I think the interactions that they have are so so real and grounded, and it's it's so amazing the way they use Kratos, because it's the same Kratos that you know. He is, you know, he is cold, he is harsh, um, but you can tell that he cares for his son and he wants the best for him and he understands that it is a cold unforgiving world and so he has to he has to train his son um how to live in that cold unforgiving world um and it's very apparent throughout the game that he's doing it from a place of love i like the way that they interact but more so i like the way that um they both kind of uh they both kind of level up together obviously level up actually refers to the gameplay in this sense, but like, it's not like last of us where the whole time, if you have somebody else following you, they'll like help you a little bit, but they'll help you the same way every time. Or it's not like, it's not like Bioshock two where, you know, book or catch every four seconds, but it's like over time, Atreus's abilities also have the potential to get better. So it's not just you on this journey. You feel like your your partner is contributing like more effectively as the game goes on, which is really neat. No, I'm with you on that. I think they, their use of that character is, is really smart. He doesn't seem like a hindrance at any point. At no point does it feel like an escort mission. He feels like a, a real fleshed out character that is with you on this journey. And they, they, I do like that they have the mechanic too that he can get captured, but it's not like a huge de- detriment. Like when he was captured, I'm like, oh man, I, I need to go save him. Like I actually felt like, oh man, I need to save him. But it, there's really no consequence for that. You know, you're still, you still have your whole moveset and everything. And he can't really die in game over, you know? Yeah. It just kind of s- stops. I have to disagree with that because I started playing it on the second hardest difficulty. And if he gets like incapacitated, it gets way harder and it's already hard enough. Oh, I was, I was playing on the normal difficulty. I am going to go back because I want to play it again already. I I'm, I'm already feeling, you know, I want to play it again. So I'm probably going to go back and, and one of the harder difficulties. So I'm sure I'll see that. Well, I think this is a good place to talk about it. Peaches, you started the game on the hard difficulty, which is like the second hardest. Um, it's like hard, and then what expert? Um, yeah, I don't know what the I don't know what the difficulties are actually called. I know that they they're called more than just easy, medium, hard. Like the the easiest difficulty is called "Give me a story," because the whole it just I want to know what the story of the game is. And the second one or the regular mode is like. I think it's like give, give me, me God a of War or something. Give me give me a challenge is the hard mode. I don't I don't remember what the names are. But I, I would say as much as we're praising this game, there are things about it that like I don't like so much. Um only only a couple come to mind immediately. Um 
but one of those things is the difficulty spike is insane. And maybe that's because I just hadn't played the game on a reasonable difficulty to like get used to the combat system or whatever. Um, but as you were saying, I started this game on the second hardest difficulty and I got like the, I was just getting decimated. Everything in the environment was wiping the floor with me. The very first Draugr encounter that I had, I had to face them like six times because I was getting used to the combat and the tutorial isn't the best tutorial as far as teaching you how to like block. Really all it does when you first learn how to fight is teach you how to swing your axe, but you can't just swing your axe in the hardest difficulty or the second hardest. If Even if you're just fighting one of the lowliest enemy, like you still have to block and dodge and all that stuff. It didn't tell me how to do that. So it took me a while to figure it out. And I was streaming on Twitch when I finally made the switch over to normal, there was some fight that was in like a ravine and the Draugr that have like twice as much health and they're like fully armored, they swing around those hammers. You know which ones I'm talking about, Lewis? Yeah, I know. Yeah, they, in hard mode, they strike three times. They do like a short jab, which you can't, or which is very short and not telegraphed well. If you get hit by that, it takes like half of your health. They do an overhead swing, which can be blocked. And then they do another overhead swing, which cannot be blocked. And in hard mode, they don't flinch almost at all. So you basically had to hit them once or twice, like a two hit light attack combo and then run away. And once you beat the first one, another one showed up. And then when he showed up three more regular Draugr and a second, which would at this point be a third, a third armored Draugr showed up and it was just too much. I was playing this same fight for an, about an hour and a half and Eduardo eventually like private messaged me and was like, dude, like everybody in your stream left, like hmm. this is not enjoyable to watch anymore. And I'm just telling you that. So, you know, and I had to, I had to stop playing it. I don't know if this is because like I said, I hadn't gotten used to the combat system yet or the game really is that hard, but it made it really hard for me to, to enjoy it because I like to play challenging games and I don't feel like the second hardest difficulty should be so challenging that I have to give up on that difficulty. But I'm going to go back later now that I'm more used to the combat and see if I can try again. Cause I feel like this is a game that I'll play more than once. Um, but I think my, my only complaint or my biggest complaint so far just has to do with the insane spike in difficulty between levels. I I will 100% agree with you. I feel like in the beginning of the game, um, when we are in Alfheim and you're fighting the, the Dark Elves, I was on normal. I wasn't even on the second heart. I was on normal though from beginning to end. And I was having so much trouble i was getting visibly frustrated i was playing it in front of my uh my wife's family like we were all sitting around the living room playing and they were getting uncomfortable because i was i'm a very calm happy person but i was getting visibly heated they had they there was they oh god i'm getting heated right now um (laughs) (laughs) they once you get used to it once you get used to it it's fine like you you start you like i said you start getting used to it but 
I I do remember just dying over and over and over again to the same fight and then like I'd beat the fight and I'd get like that that you know that endorphin rush is like oh my god I finally did it and then I walk two steps and there's five more you know so it's I do I do think that in the beginning of the game they should have had a little bit better tutorial on what you can do but at the same time once I started getting the the groove of things and I started really knowing like when to dodge, how to dodge, when to block, how to counter, what moves to do at what time. And when I started leveling up and stuff, it really felt good. Like I felt like I, as a player have really started to get better. Yeah. It's definitely a system in which you can master. And that's the, that's something that the game strength, right? I think it's tough with the difficulty spike because we live in a world with the souls games, right? So before, before the souls games, um, was now, now quote me if I'm wrong. The God of War games came out all before the first Dark Souls game, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so all three of the God of War games came out before the first Dark Souls game ever came out. And if there's one thing that I'm going to compare the controls to this game to, it's Dark Souls. So it's got that the the shoulder buttons you're using to attack and to block, and so it's a very similar control scheme. In my opinion, it is a significantly better control scheme because I despise the, the Souls control scheme. Um, but we live in that world, and I think that's part of the, that difficulty spike that you're talking about, Peaches, is to to call to those types of gamers that want that punishingly difficult um, gameplay. Now, the severity in which it spikes, I think you're right. I think it's not... I don't think that's necessarily the, the right thing, but, I mean, maybe it was because you didn't start on the, the normal difficulty. Um, but who knows at this point? Um, I think you should just continue playing and, and continue it on whatever difficulty you want to play on and explore it at whatever pace you want to play, and that should, you know, be your ending um, opinion. I, you know, and I will. And I think once I kind of slowed down and I realized I wasn't going to finish this on time for the episode, I kind of went back to my ways of exploring everything as soon as it was available and doing all the side quests. Because for a while, I was just trying to rush through the story so I could make it on time. And when I, when I finally realized it doesn't matter if I rush through it, I'm not going to make it. And, and I decided to just go back to my ways. I started having a lot more fun. Um, but I don't know. I've just compared it because I beat all the other, all three of the other games. I beat those on their hardest difficulty, respectively. So I beat the first game on God. I beat the second game on Titan. Whatever the, whatever the hardest difficulty was, I was able to do it. And those, and maybe, maybe hindsight is lying to me right now, but I felt like those weren't even nearly as hard as the second hardest difficulty was in this game. So, and I, like I said, it might be a false sense of, of my past, but I don't know. That's what it felt like to me. My only other complaint in the game is that I don't, and, and I haven't finished it. So again, I could be completely wrong about this, but I feel like there aren't a lot of bosses that are very different from each other. Um, without spoiling anything, I just feel like you fight a lot of the same thing multiple times and they call it a boss. 
I am with you on that. That would be my... If I was going to say one thing about the game that I didn't like as much, it would be that. Is I think that specifically, um, God of War has always been known for its like over-the-top boss encounters, and I think this one just definitely did not have as many. Now, it still has them. There are a few bosses in there that are like, whoa, crazy, like this is a crazy epic moment. But it is definitely a lot less than the other older God of War games. Okay, I'm not crazy then. No, you're not. No, you're you're one hundred percent right. Most of the game is uh like you fight like an uh what's it called? Like the, the ogres or the yeah, they're ogres, right? They're really big guys. There's like five of them. There's like the regular forest one, then there's an ice one and weren't they, weren't they giants? One. It was like frost giants or something, right? There's giants. Like, yeah, frost I'm, giants and then fire giants, but they're not the same yeah. giants as like the giants. Yeah. It's confusing. So yeah, they they do recycle a lot of things. Uh, I did find myself. I was like, uh, this again, you know. It just has a new move, you know. Like, uh, have you been to Helheim, Zach? I have. Okay, just making sure because I know there's I don't like. Know, I don't know if the listeners have been to Helheim. Oh, uh, I was just gonna mention that an an. an an ogre there is an ogre fight there like i'm sorry if i spoiled that but yeah there's one there and i was just sitting there while i was fighting him it's like this guy just has one new move like i wish there was like more of a i know exactly what you're talking about though like you've gotten the point across that you're trying to without even saying the full sentence like i got to that fight in particular and i was like really i came all this way yeah and that's what i'm fighting okay you know, and Great. it's really interesting because if anybody were to listen into this specific section, they would think that we hated the game. But we, these gripes that we're, that we're picking, like these nits that we're picking right now were so small compared to how great the rest of the product is. Um, it's almost amazing that, that, you know, I can overlook basically everything this game does slightly poorly because of how well all of the other elements are. Oh, absolutely. I just don't want... You know, if I'm going to give an honest review about something, I always like to think of the things that it could have improved on too. Like I'm the kind of person that won't give, well, there's a very rare circumstance where I would give anything like a perfect score. So I think there's always something that could have been improved in most cases. And so far, those are my only two real gripes with the game, but they're not gripes enough to keep me from playing it. Like I'm still really enjoying it. I just maybe wish those two things were a little different. Sure. No, but I think it's to the game's credit that those things can be overlooked because of how sort of well-polished the rest of it is. Trudette. Now, the, the everything about this game is, is like really well done. The music sets the mood. We listened to a little bit of it earlier, but the music really sets you into this world. It really grounds you into it. Um, the camera is something that I really, really wanted to talk about because I thought it was so cool. So you have one camera. It is a camera that follows you for the whole game. Um, at certain points, it'll move to another character, but it is always at that one camera. And it is almost as if there is a cameraman following around Kratos and Atreus throughout their journey. That is what it feels like 
Um, and it, it really helps ground you in the story as well as um, really help with scale. So very, very early on, this is going to be a very, very mild spoiler, but honestly, it's, it happens so really it doesn't really matter. You meet the, the world serpent, and he is this giant world serpent snake thing. And I think that's the first point in the game where you can really see like true scale and the fact that it has that one camera really helps sell how giant this serpent is i i honestly really love that moment too because in in most like the camera does an amazing job because no matter what you're always looking up at the serpent um you you can kind of see it moving around so you can kind of tell how big it is but just to sell how big it is, you never look down at it. You know, it's always like, it's always, no matter where it is, you're looking up at it. It's either at the distance, like a mountain, or like you said, you meet us or you talk to him and it's just, the camera just looking straight up, basically. Actually, I do have a third thing to add to the list of gripes. <laughs> Here we go. I'm a is super it? nitpicker, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, again, not something that, kills the game even remotely but because the camera does so many things that enhance the game there's like one specific drawback that i think like gets lumped in with what it's doing for the game and that is finding the odin ravens there's like basically this game's version of flags from assassin's creed or like stars or moons from a mario game or whatever like you find these ravens out in the environment and you have to destroy them, but they are glowing like a soft green color. And most of the game you're running around in the woods and the trees are green everywhere. And you can only look up so far with the camera. So like they're really hard to find. And again, that sounds like I'm just complaining about the difficulty, but I have near perfect vision and I always have, and I have a hard time finding those ravens. So I don't know. Another thing for the gripe list, but nothing that game score down. Yeah. You, they, they are, I, I only found like two or three of them in, in my playthrough. I wasn't really looking for them to be honest, but you would think I'd find a little bit more. There's like what, like thirty or something like that. There's fifty-one. Oh yeah, sorry. Goodness. So yeah, the fact that I found three is uh, is pretty bad. I I do have a small gripe with the the camera too, um, and I I'm not really into uh, super challenging games. I'm more into it for the story, so getting used to the 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 camera in battle for me was really tough because like you only really have like a little like less than a 180 degree cone that you can see so like when you start getting flooded with enemies i got hit in the back so many times just because i didn't realize that there was more people coming oh yeah you really got to get used to that quick turnaround mechanic yeah right right absolutely um, you know, we've touched on a lot of different things. I think um, Kratos and Atreus are both 
incredible characters. Let's talk a little bit about Kratos and his evolution from the, the game. So Kratos is in general, it's the same Kratos that we remember, right? So it's the same Kratos, but he's, he's different, right? So he's older, he has a son and he's, um, I don't want to call him a lot wiser cause he's still as wise, but he's a lot, he's a lot more, um, sort of subdued, I would say in a lot of ways. Um, he is nurturing, he is, you know, he's looking, and it's, it's a really interesting evolution for a character that was like the movie 300 put into a video game as a in character. Like, he's the entire Spartan army in 300 in one character in the original games. But in this one, he's, he's something different, and it's, it's really impressive that they, I mean, and this goes for the game in general, that they kept the essence of the character and they kept the essence of the game while evolving it. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the, one of the many strengths, but probably one of its, its best strengths is, is how, how well it does that, where if I was coming in and I had never played a God of War game, this game would seem amazing, and then if I played one of the old God of War games, this would seem like a natural and really well-executed evolution. I just think he's much more human. Like, yeah, he's so much more relatable. When, like, now that you know all the stuff that he's been through in the previous games... And at this point, you know, he's on this quest with his son and he wants to protect his son, but he's still like a hard ass. Like you kind of feel for him more because you know what he's gone through and you know, he's trying to do everything he can to do things the right way. But like, there's only so many things he can do without having to resort to violence. So like even certain cases, you sort of feel bad for him because you're like, man, you're trying so hard. And like these things just won't leave you alone. Like these ghosts just coming back, keep coming back to haunt you. And so it, it's like much more relatable. Like you can think about that something, you know, maybe something challenging that happened in your life that you had to kind of adapt to get over. And you can see him going through that and kind of feel it. Now, Lewis, you probably have an opinion on this, but I want you to hold your opinion because we're going to talk about this here in just a moment when we do our full spoiler-free or spoiler rundown. So I think this is the point where we're going to say farewell to Peaches as he hasn't finished the game. Um, we're going to let him go off into Streamland. We'll join him a little later. But Peaches, before you go, let the folks know where they can find you on the interwebs. Yeah, sure. Um, so thanks for listening again, everybody. Um, come hang out with me at twitch.tv slash peaches. Follow me on twi uh, Twitter at D underscore peaches. And if you haven't yet, please go to the Squad Up uh, Facebook page and vote in our poll. We've got a poll going on the page now. We're trying to figure out what game we want to play next for our game of the month um, after this God of War quest is over um, in the next 15 minutes or so. And we want to know what you guys want us to play next. So please check out that page and throw a vote at us. And we will get back to you as soon as we know uh, with what game we're playing next. But that's all for me. So thanks again. All right, Peaches. We'll see you later, man. All right. Have fun spoiling it. Thanks. Bye. All right. Peaches is gone. Lewis, it's just you and me. And for those, once again, we're going into full spoiler territory we're going full spoilers if you do not want to listen to spoilers turn the podcast off now we're going full spoilers now lewis let's just let's just go for it let's just go let's just let's just go straight at it atreus is loki what atreus is loki right isn't oh that insane God. all right so let me say right off the bat that 
the ending of the game, personal. Okay, so I might get a little bit personal in this portion. I I don't want to make this portion too long because we're already making this long. But like I said in the beginning, this game gave me exactly what I needed. Like at at this time in my life, um, the storyline for me hit me so deep. It, it's it, I. Last or uh, when I first came on, I gave a top five of my favorite games. God of War is now on that top five favorite games. I, I, it, like I, because a couple of years ago, I personally lost my mom, and it was, it, I, it, it's obviously a hard thing to go through. But this game, it like you see their grief, you see them going through it, and you see them going past it and i was just i saw myself in atreus uh looking at you know trying to get this approval from kratos who's similar to my dad he's he's stoic he he doesn't really show his feelings he he's kind of a hard ass he's a man's man you know so it everything that i needed came from this game you know and then so at the end of the game uh you he, they finally complete their journey and you're just like i i personally was like oh my god this is this this is amazing and then freaking atreus turns around and he's just like who's loki and i was like what are you kidding me right now like i'm in tears and stuff and i'm just like this is this 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 game is crazy i don't oh my god Right, so it's so incredible. So you find out that um, that Atreus's mother is actually a giant, and um, you find out that Atreus is half giant and half half god, and the rest of the game starts to make a lot more sense. So when um, Balder first shows up and he's like, you've been hiding, he's not talking about Kratos. He's talking about the giant that lives there because the protection that was around that house is now gone. So when he goes up to him and he says, you know, you've been hiding, I know you're in there. And he talks about how you were supposed to be so much better than us and so much smarter than us and so much stronger than us. He's talking about a giant. He thinks yeah. that Kratos is that giant, but what he what he doesn't understand is that Kratos is holding that giant onto his pouch. He is holding the remains of what is we know to be the last giant that is besides the world serpent. Um, another really interesting thing. So there is a, there is a small dialogue scene where the world serpent says that he remembers Atreus, and that's really key because in Norse mythology, Loki is actually the father of the world serpent. He yeah. is the right, he's the world serpent's dad. And so Mimir goes on this whole thing about how eventually in Ragnarok the world serpent's going to get thrust back in time. And so the idea being that um that Atreus will birth the world serpent somehow and then it'll get thrust back in time. And you even see that in that last mural where um, Atreus is holding Kratos's corpse, which is a whole nother thing, but yep. out of his mouth is coming this giant serpent. Yep. So this is all... They, they know what they're doing, man. They're going full circle on this. Uh, they, they really hit home with this game. They... Oh my goodness. Just those... I, I love it because it was the plot twist of it all was like it wasn't played out like 
a plot twist should, you know, like they didn't hone in on it really. They just kind of ended the game and then they're like, by the way, there's this plot twist and that's it, you know? So they're really, uh, they're, they're, Making you want that second game. I I want that second game. You know. Yeah, me too. They they really like with with the mural. Just want to know, like, because personally, I want to know more about Odin at this point. Because you know, obviously Loki gets more involved with Odin. He's going to have to, you know. And uh, I just want to know how they're going to do that you know like sure. how everything's gonna go down well uh, did you so did you watch the secret ending of the game i did not know there was one oh, i literally haven't been looking at anything online but there is so there's uh, i wouldn't call it a secret ending but if you finish the game if you go back to your hut and you lay down in the bed you will get one extra last scene I'm going to spoil it for you now because you're here in spoiler territory yeah, anyway. Yeah, go for it, it is very short, but you wake up and you hear the crackling of thunder and lightning. And oh. it says several years later and Kratos runs outside and all you see is a cloak and the cloak moves back. And then you see a hammer and a man's hand engulfed in lightning. Oh, um, so the idea being that Thor is there at their house and then if you have not finished the game Atreus will wake you up and say you were just having a nightmare but they're kind of setting the scene yeah um, that's, for the next that's... game oh man I'm I'm already super hyped for this game like you know how a lot of people say that like they've been waiting for a sequel since like the last game came out I've never really felt that you know like i've always been like okay i'm satisfied with this game oh there's a sequel coming out it's like with this game i want the sequel right now right like i i'm already i already set the timer i need this game in my life already yeah me too um also that last scene with um balder and freya where you end up having to kill balder and freya yeah basically becomes your enemy at that point and she 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 talks about how um she's gonna she's gonna all the this like horrible things she's gonna do to kratos for killing her son yeah and then they have that whole dialogue between atreus and kratos about if it was him that was gonna die would kratos um also like do that for him and he said yes absolutely like you're my son of course you know if it meant that you would live yes yes i that like it like i said there were so many moments that like really hit hard those that was one of them i i just remember because not only is this game beautifully animated it's beautifully acted the voice actors really do a good job selling their emotions at the time have you seen any of the like development of the game no. They're in like full mocap suits. Their faces, their body movements—that is all them moving in all of those scenes. Okay. They do. They did that full thing, voice acted and everything, all together. That that makes a lot of sense because just the way it's animated and voiced, it just it felt like the whole game, even during the parts that aren't cinematic, feels like a movie. 
Right. Like it feels like you're going through a movie experience throughout the whole entire game. I agree. I I will say for me personally, I don't know how much how much longer we're going to talk about this, but I do want to say the moment I knew this game was going to be my one of my favorite games and I just I remember having tears in my eyes and no one understanding why I did was is it was one of the boat scenes where he's talking to Atreus and uh his they're they're having an argument and I I can't remember exactly how Atreus brought it up but he basically said you didn't even care about mom right and Kratos just yells at him he's visibly upset he's like do not mistake uh what was it? It was like, do not mistake my silence for not caring. Something along those lines. Right. And it just, oh my God, like it hit me so hard. Like Kratos is grieving so much and you can tell he is. And he just wants to talk, talk about it with Atreus, but that's not him. That's not how he doesn't bear himself. So he he's, it's almost like he's battling with himself uh, with that moment. And it just, I just remember I just, I literally started crying. Like, I was just like, oh my God, like, this game is, is so good, you know? Right, yeah. It's like, no, moments, no yeah. one else in the room saw, the, like, they, they obviously liked the moment and stuff, but no one understood why it meant so much to me. And I'm sure the listeners aren't going to understand as much either. It, I just remember just being stunned at this game's just how how it portrayed everything you know yeah i think it's those moments that really set that this game apart and that that really kind of show us why why it's as great as as it is yeah and i i I can agree like there i have my grips with it we were talking about it um but i i can see why it's getting so universal acclaim like i don't think i've I've I, I don't know of anyone that really has too many bad things to say about it. It was just like a gripe here and there. Like we had all our gripes with it or whatever. As far as but, the story is concerned, I think I I can't find a fault. I can't find an unearned emotion. I cannot find a point that wasn't well acted. I cannot find anything like that. I think it is in fact uh, sort of a pure experience as far as the story yeah. is concerned. Yes, I, I 100% agree. I I think I think this proves a that single pl- like I know the media, the games media loves to say single player games are dying, um, but I as we saw from last year, it, they're really not. But I think this finally like threw it back in their face. Like, no, it's not. We're just. We're, we're just getting started yeah, like absolutely. Santa Monica really hit it out of the park and just like you can't claim that anymore you really can't like it's getting it's selling like hotcakes it's it made me go buy a PS4 I own a PS4 they made me buy a PS4 Pro just because just really wanted it I was I was excited for the game i bought it and i do not regret it at all i was 
so happy with it. The, the PS4 looks fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I think this is a. I think this is going to be a high high watermark. I think it is in the running for game of the year. If not, honestly, it is the number one contender. And bring on any other game that comes out this year to try to take its place. Because I honestly, I don't know if they'll be able to. God of War was just such a pure experience. It's hard to think of a game that has as it had this impact in, in quite a while. I think the last being Breath of the Wild. Um, but I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, I think we've had a really great discussion about God of War. Um, but Lewis, uh, do you have anywhere where people can reach out to you on the internet? I don't have yet, but I'm hoping to have a podcast going soon. Uh, I'm going to be doing a D&D podcast or with a couple friends. I have uh, my DM is currently hosting a game with six players and we're gonna start recording it we start tomorrow or when this podcast comes out actually we should start recording so hopefully uh next time i come on if you guys invite me back i'll uh i'll have something then yeah absolutely we'll definitely hit you up with that um if you'd like to email the show you can email us at squad up podcast at gmail.com you can follow the show at squad up on twitter you can follow me at abcd eduardo um you can find me on twitch i'm streaming a lot more on twitch now so you can find me at abcd eduardo on twitch um once again i think that's gonna do it for us here on this episode um of squad up and you know as they say Good luck, have fun, and don't let your mom eat Oreos. Bye, everybody!